0: consider supporting this podcast by becoming a patron on patreon even one dollar can go a long way in supporting this content that you enjoy look for a link over at the batmanuniverse.net to offer your support now and now on with the show you don't like the drake I hate the drake i love the drake how could you not like the drake who's the drake who's the drake the drake is good
1: Do you like the Drake?
0: I love the Drake. What about the Drake? Scroll the Drake. I love the Drake.
1: This podcast will take a chronological look at the third boy to wear the mantle of Robin, Tim Drake, through the 90s and 2000 Robin series Red Robin, Young Justice, and Teen Titans and from time to time taking a look at the modern era of tim drake in the pages of dc comics while also talking about other robin and batman happenings in the world so sit back and relax and find out why everyone loves the drake good for them love the drake
0: got to love the drake i'm impressed
1: what can i say i'm irresistible Hello everyone, welcome to Robin. Everyone loves the Drake Comic Podcast. I'm your host, Rob Myers. Welcome to episode eighty-six. The show is brought to you, of course, by the Batman Universe dot net, your home for all things Batman and Robin. And we're also associated with Batman on Films Podcast Network at Batman Podcast Network dot com. As I said, I'm your host, Rob, and with me today is Ryan in a very snowy covered southern state ish. How are you doing today? <laughs> yes. I'm uh, snowed in, but I'm um, doing pretty good. It's uh, it's funny. Usually, the from where you guys are at, you're having a uh, decent weather. I, I, the grass is green outside my window. Temperature's thirty three, but it is beginning to feel a lot like Christmas. So this is our technically this is our fourth uh, Christmas show, but the podcast has been here five years, like you heard in the previous episode in eighty five. Every year I'm trying to find, like, what's something Batman that we can do, or what's something Tim Drake we can do. And as I said in a Twitter feed a couple weeks ago, this has zero Tim Drake in it all. But, yeah, I think (laughs) it makes perfect sense uh, with the animated series having just come out on Blu-ray that we will be doing a commentary track on Mask of the Phantasm. Now... I know the answer to this question already, Ryan, and I will yes. be shocked if you say yes, but I do not mm. believe you saw this in the theater. Is that correct?
2: No, I did not. When it, on its original release. I remember, I remember seeing commercials for it as a kid, uh, and specifically remember the, the line that the Joker has in the commercials, because I was like, oh, man, there's the Joker, and it's from the animated series. But, yeah, we didn't make it out to see it in the theater, and I think it was because my local town the theater we had at the time only ever showed the, the, they only had the capability of playing two movies at once. As most people that know the history of mask of the phantasm knows it was only in the theaters for like a week or two. Yeah. So we would have happened to driven out of town to see it in the theater and it was around Christmas time. So I'm sure my parents were, we were doing Christmas stuff uh, instead. So it just came and went very quickly. I did get it on VHS and as a kid, you know, the big clamshell version uh-huh. of it that had the um, the comic book in the back, and every yep. time we would go to a video store, I would find that copy and find the comic in the back and ask whoever owned the video store, oh, look, I found this comic in the back of this <laughs> clamshell VHS, can I have it? And I, and I racked up three or four of copies of it that way. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I've got two. I don't know how I wound up with two of the small mini Cause I only oh you know i wonder if it came out with a dvd i remember have i have the hard clamshell like you did and there was a comic in it but i've got two small ones and i'm for the life of me trying to figure out how i got two of the smaller ones cuz i only have just the dvd release and then the vhs so hmm. i don't know if it came with something else down the line i don't know if it came with line. anything else i was trying to think well did it come with mystery of the batwoman was it paired with that No, and it was only ever paired with Sub Zero, and I don't think it came with the comic book either. So, right, um, yeah, I've, I've got two of them. So, I did see this on Christmas. This did come out on Christmas Day, December 25th, 1993, and I saw it with my uh, girlfriend in high school. And we were two of four people in the theater, and I was just <laughs> amazed that I was thinking, Oh, well, this theater's gonna be full, it's gonna be like Batman 89, open the door. And at first, yeah, I just heard her go. Ugh, are we the only two in here? And then you could just see two people way up front. And I'm like, no, honey, there are four of us. So I think she just kind of went along just because her boyfriend, and it was like a stretch to like, let's go see a movie, you know, Oh, we'll go see something on Christmas day. And then I'm dragging her to this. Hey, it's Batman. Batman <laughs> it's Batman animated. And, uh, halfway through I was thinking oh man she's probably gonna hate this she leans over and she said this is actually really pretty good she's like I thought this was gonna be a horrible way to spend uh, our, our Christmas evening she's like but this is really pretty good so I think she really up, is no better I mean yeah that's
2: jokes on her because yeah that the movie is fantastic a lot of people's consider it one of the best if not the best Batman film so
1: yeah and, it's the, and we're, we're going to talk about it once we uh, get into it here so the way Ryan and I are watching this we should say a little uh, hello to Terrence uh, oh, Ryan and I were talking off mic that Terrence and the O'Neills they go into like hibernation this time of the month and it's it's just really <laughs> crazy to try and get everybody's schedule lined up and Ryan and I were kind of juggling times so hello and Merry Christmas to the O'Neills uh, this is as you're listening to this, this is being released on December 26th. So while you're trying to, oh. you know, put your TVs and your VCRs and VCRs, haha. Uh, I'm only saying <laughs> your AV and your beta and, and, your, and-, and- yeah. your laser disc player. <laughs> so. Maybe you know while the kids are in the next room or whoever's doing all your stuff, you can watch this with us. So it's out on the DC Universe streaming app if you have it there. If you've got your DVDs. Uh, Ryan and I are both watching it through uh, Vudu because it did come through the newest release of the animated series in HD. And I was glad that they upped the. It was like in standard definition, and then there was a little yeah. mix up. And a couple of weeks later, everything yeah. got upgraded. Yeah. So. That is how we are watching it, so there's not going to be a long preamble here just because the show is probably going to be long enough with the movie. So we're going to get it uh, queued up here in just a second. We'll let you know when to start. I am actually starting the player. I'll get it uh, paused here in just a moment. All right, so the Warner Brothers logo should be up, and technically mine right now is set at 2 seconds, zero two. 2 So if you can punch it up with it, the Warner Brothers logo should be up at you, and we will hit play in 3 two, one, play. And Bugs Bunny should be, uh, stepping out from around the corner. Ah, Bugs Bunny, family entertainment.
2: You know, I I think that's one reason why not a whole lot of people went and saw this movie is because it had been a long time since an animated movie like this from Warner brothers had come out in the theater and they didn't really know how to market a movie like this.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's crazy. So,
2: and this whole intro, this CG intro, I think this is a big reason why the film got made in the first place. I think they were showing some test footage of this CG version of Gotham City to like a Warner executive, and they were like, oh, man, we have to do this <laughs> we have to yeah, make this yeah. a movie. But I love this, and this this is early CG stuff, but, man, oh, it yeah. holds up. And I think that is just a testament to... The design aesthetic of the animated series in general, I mean they're trying to emulate what the city looks like, and you know although they didn't do the whole movie like this or whatever, I think it's a really cool opening and um this Shirley walker walker's score behind this it really gets you in the the mood to watch a fascinating you know Batman film, so
1: yeah. I'm just getting lost in the uh, the intro here.
2: Yeah. Like I said, it's easy to do just because it's just the music and the, the city, but, man, it's so good. And, and, as they, the, and as they show the credits, like, with all the people, like, the way that they got this done, they didn't have a long time to make this
1: movie. They had, like, a year-ish yeah. or less. I think, it, I think they were probably pushing 10 months if I read that correctly.
2: Yeah, something like that, and they broke it up, like in terms of the, the writers like Alan Burnett wrote a section, Paul Dini wrote a section, uh, they, so they have three or four writers on it doing different, different parts. And the decision to make this a theatrical release was also last minute. They were, they had framed it in the regular, you know, television aspect ratio. And then there was a late minute decision to make a theatrical version. So they had had the movie storyboarded for the TV frame and then at the last second they had to go back and be like oh how can we do this and then they you know framed it for for a theatrical version and
1: um, right so the first and they got it's of Batman yep
2: and then they got a slightly higher budget and everything so as you can see here like the animation quality is just fantastic they have a lot more they have some more room to play with in terms of the fluidity of the animations
1: <laughs> yeah I love this, the step on the table.
2: Yeah, he just walks <laughs> over and boom. That's such a Batman thing to do.
1: I know many people have uh, said before, here's our first appearance of the Reaper. I see the, uh, C- about said it, the phantasm. <laughs> but there's a little bit of hint of uh, the Reaper in there. Right.
2: And I think I've, I've heard the creative folks say that that was not intentional, and it just was kind of a happenstance really the this i believe this whole story was alan burnett's baby like he always wanted to tell this love story he wanted to do this batman love story and i think it comes across as almost like a modern day type of version of some of the it, it really evokes a lot of the you know uh Rogers and Englehart-type stories from the 70s. Oh, yeah, definitely. I and I think the animated series in general has that vibe. The best episodes of the animated series kind of do. They kind of cross between that and the, you know, Dennis O'Neill and Neil Adams-type stuff. But but just the... this Overall, this movie just is really timeless, I think, just in terms of the storytelling. And, like, you can show this movie to anybody, even if they haven't seen any of the other Batman movies or any of the other animated series and you know, and they'll get it, I think.
1: Yeah. And it's like the story flows so well. There's our yeah. word for fluidity there. Uh there's not a moment in it where I think the story kind of drags and like, oh we no. probably should have spent too long here.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't really waste any time but
1: it's uh really well balanced. And I think they say, like, chronologically, this is in kind of between season one, season two. Yeah. Yeah, I think,
2: like, you know, Robin, Robin's around, of course, but he's just not present. He's not part of the story.
1: And one of the other great things about this is just the uh, the music in this. Mm-hmm. Um, is. I remember buying this soundtrack when it came out. On CD. And, Oh yeah.
2: Yeah, I've got I've got the original C D as well. Yeah, it's fantastic. You know, Shirley Walker and the folks involved in making the score, they you know, there's a lot of history with this that you can watch on the uh on the Blu-ray set of the animated series, but you know, they had limited resources and time for uh TV episode, but then they got a little bit they were able to do a little bit more with the movie. And man, they really pulled down all the stops. There's a lot of really Memorable, epic, orchestral stuff in this film.
1: I love the name Chucky Saul. I I know. That's one of those things, in in some of the animated series, uh, TV shows, some of the bad guys I don't think have the the thugs have the best names sometimes, but um, this goes right up there with a very quotable quotable film for me like the whole Chucky Saul your angel your of angel death of death awaits, awaits. Yeah. yeah
2: yeah and his name pops up I think a few more times in the series like I, I, I'd have to look it up but here's uh, a <laughs> first introduction or is it of uh, Andrea
1: Beaumont yeah yeah not the babe. <laughs> yeah. We're, we're not there yet, but uh, uh, Dana Delaney uh, does a fantastic job in this.
2: Yes. Which, as fans know, she went on to voice Lois Lane in yes. the uh, Superman animated series. And we had a shot there, too, of uh, Arthur, you know, the yes. councilman. Which I always my favorite piece of trivia. That's you know Hart Bochner, who also played the, who was also you know played a big part in uh in Die Hard. And so I can just um, every time I see either <laughs> of these movies, I, and I just watched Die Hard a couple of days ago, um, you know because it's Christmas time, of course, right? And uh, so that's kind of funny that he shares this connection into what I consider Christmas time movies.
1: Yeah, Hans Bubby. <laughs> and
2: I think that, I think we just heard a cameo too from uh, Arlene Sorkin.
1: Yes, I always forget where she is in this, and it's in this uh, opening mm-hmm. scene. I think this is something—the scene we're coming here where Bruce starts to remember. Uh, mm-hmm. The way that they handle the flashbacks in this. Um, is done so effectively with the you know the washes and the fades, and it's a slightly little different uh, color to give you perspective of time. I think it's just yeah. it's very beautiful.
2: Yeah, I mean, there's there's no way that Batman Begins, uh, you know, the folks involved in that did not look at this in, oh, in, yeah. for some sort of inspiration, just in terms of like story structure and pacing and being able to tell this narrative between present day Batman and his origins. I mean, that's one reason. That's another reason why I think this film holds up so well, because it, it doesn't just tell the origin. It kind of subverts it a little bit and does new things with it, but it's also definitive in its own kind of special way. And what's really clever about this is that they didn't delve into this stuff so explicitly in the animated series proper, but that's great because they can kind of do their own thing with it here. And this is kind of where the animated series starts to have its own unique definitive spin on the lore. Whereas some, you know, before that, um, it could just be kind of singular episodes of iconic things. And some, you know, sometimes like, of course they had reinvented Mr. Freeze and things like that. But, but, uh, but delving into Batman's origins in this, I thought was really a cool thing to see.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah, I don't remember if this came out. I think this came out before uh, the Robin's Reckoning episodes. Did it not?
1: I'm almost positive that it did.
2: Yeah, because they in production wise, they made this film in the time that they had in between seasons one and two Mm -hmm. of the animated series.
1: and I like and as you would with any antagonist and protagonist and all that you have the different splits between the two characters of Andrea that they both have a loss of a parent and they have the loss of a parent in a different way and how spoilers how they're going to deal yeah. with that loss
2: yeah you know what's it's it's really fascinating too that like this isn't just like it's not just Catwoman or whatever. They they came up with this adversary yeah. slash love interest. It's it's got like these Catwoman type vibes, but man, it's it's its own thing, and she's like this very fully fleshed out character. I think it's really kind of ahead of its time in a lot of ways in terms oh, yeah. of how they've structured the story with with her in it, it and tied her into Batman's origin like this. It's oh, kind yeah. of kind of kind of incredible.
1: There, I always there little- really love this sequence. Oh, yeah, so did I. This has a uh, a hard year one uh, vibe from it.
2: Yeah. Skaz. Okay, Skaz. Skaz. <laughs> <laughs> There's your, uh, uh, a, a crook name. And i always love this, too. Instead of, like, a, the bat, he's trying to scare him, but he just, like... Barrels in that'll that'll scare him. And of course this ties into it. He's just without the Batman visage and mantle, he's he's just a a big dude and Mr. Kung Fu and they're they're not scared. And that's a kind of a great point that you know Batman is rooted into this you know into fear. And yeah, he can beat the guys up and he can get things done, but it's not enough to make change in Gotham on a wide scale in terms of how, you know, criminals and crime reacts. Yeah. And how because right now he's just a vigilante. He's just, he's just, he's just one guy, but Batman can always be, if right. he does it right, Batman can be more than just that.
1: Here's our first shot of a younger Harvey Bullock.
2: I love this, too,
1: that they that they put him in there. <laughs> <laughs> Just gives more credence to why Bullock doesn't like Batman or like Vigilantes.
2: Right. You know, that's one reason why I've always really liked Bullock as a character, because he's he's in the middle a lot of times between people that love batman and people that hate batman i mean he he's on the side of i don't like batman most of the time but uh sometimes he's on his side and and when he is the question it makes you question whether what batman's doing is right or not uh so i've always liked the interplay and there's some good episodes of the animated series that deal with it with their relationship in particular like the killer croc episode of vendetta um the bullet for bullock for yeah, instance that's a great and, episode. Um, and then you know. We love Nightfall here. At uh, everyone loves the Drake, and there's some there's some good stuff in Nightfall too. Just in terms of Bullock liking, you know what uh, what Asriel Batman is doing when everybody else kind of <laughs> thinks he's going too far.
1: Right, right. So Batman is involved in another truck flip. Where have we seen that before? Uh,
2: Max <laughs> the Phantasm did it first.
1: Yeah. <laughs> And there's a Batman checking to make sure he didn't kill anybody. Well, vigilante.
2: Well, that's... You know, I've never really put that part together. That's really interesting. You know, I almost wonder if that was like a studio note. We need to show that the guy didn't get killed. But either way, I think it's still... It's pretty important to the story. And this is very Batman. Like, he just got out and kind of did his thing. But he's back the next day, like, training... And, he, and this is such a great conversation here.
1: Yeah. That's
2: what we were this saying earlier. This made me
1: want this character as a full-time cast member of the uh, Batman animated series. I'm glad she went on to to Superman, but just the right Beaumont character, right. I thought was... It, like you said, it wasn't a Catwoman. They could have leaned on Selena yeah. Kyle for this and had somebody else be the Phantasm, but I'm glad it kind of... Right, out the way that it does. Yeah, I mean it's really
2: fantastic, and I think the fact that they use her very sparingly from this point forward is is actually good for the character. I think if you overused it, it would kind of overuse the phantasm. I think the impact would, you know, be lessened a little bit. But you yeah. know, because when she does show up, it's like it's kind of like a big deal. You know, they've there's some. Uh, if you want to find out what happens after this movie, they did like a Batman animated series annual i think or yeah. and, then, and then there's another uh issue of the batman and robin Adventures comics i think where they kind of show yep. what happens after this and of course um in animation there's the uh episode of justice league unlimited i think it's the last episode of the series isn't it yes. is it not where they show yep. where she kind of shows back up as the phantasm and then later on i think kyle higgins wrote um Like a Batman Beyond follow up to this, I believe the storyline is called uh, Mark of the Phantasm. I
1: I want to say that's correct,
2: and that shows you know Phantasm in Batman Beyond, which and I really enjoyed that story too. So, so that's just that's the only that's the handful of stories I can think of where Phantasm comes back, but they're all you know it's a big big deal when that what does happen.
1: Uh, You are correct, Batman Beyond Mark of the Phantasm. Batman Beyond 2.0 Volume Three, written by Kyle Higgins.
2: There you go. There's good old Chucky. (laughs) May he rest in (laughs) peace. (laughs) And then you know, fascinating things from a story perspective going on right now because we were just seeing you know flashback stuff with Bruce questioning you know why should i be the the criminals are scared of me and now we're back in present day where we have batman and you know batman's there he's present criminals are afraid of him and everything but seeing this dichotomy start to form in philosophy between batman and the phantasm in terms of the line they will and won't cross in terms of uh, what they do to their you know victims is pretty interesting and, and the way that I've, like we see here like the way that the criminals in the society at large reacts to them is very interesting too because oh no Batman's a killer and Batman's vicious and stuff like that he's coming, become unhinged and to see the, the the way Gotham reacts to this you know you see it in Commissioner Gordon and um, even the Joker later on uh, is really interesting it says a lot about about the characters
1: yeah and this is before a red hood would come into existence mm-hmm. so you can yeah kind of put
2: a lot of those themes kind of get yeah you know brought up in the in that story as well
1: yeah i mean that's just weird then, to think in, in 93 like where like where we are right now in dc continuity and the players that are involved uh, at this time in comics um bruce is has bruce been back at this well, point, well, it's Christmas
2: '93, so uh, yeah. it's still in the middle of nightfall, right, middle of nightfall, or yeah. towards the end. Because is it night's end? Night's night end early, night early '94, '94, yeah. or something like that. Yeah, so we're still into nightfall territory here. And I always love this scene too, just in terms of the visuals too, like is quintessential Batman they made a series is very dark type of scene and like right there like his face is like half com- dark it's in, sh- yeah. it's in shadow <laughs> and it's really moody and the phantasm I always thought was such a cool looking character too like based on silhouette alone and just the the way the character the way the phantasm appears and disappears and yeah
1: the use of the smoke yeah
2: mm-hmm uh, yeah, and I always wanted to. I always wanted to, to see that middle part, like the backstory, like how did how does she become the phantasm, and how does she do these things? Yes, it might be. It's one of those things where it might be less interesting once it's demystified. But I kind of want to see yeah, backstory yeah. too.
1: Mob bosses are going. Down one by one in Batman. <laughs> I love this scene, too. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know,
2: couldn't you couldn't get a better... You couldn't get a better old mob boss than uh, Abe Vagoda.
1: Oh, yeah. And he's great. And that was something that the... I mean, most people know the animated series didn't basically spare no expense. They would get some really great quality not only voice actors, but just film, film actors film or just actors, actors you know, yeah. stage actors and things like that.
0: See right that.
2: there. It's crazy yeah. to see, you know, Gordon take that stand. The Batman does not kill period. That's pretty bold. And that shows where they are in their relationship too. like, this isn't year one Batman Right. going on. And, and you see the difference too. um, And you see how bad things get later on between (laughs) what Gordon says here and then what happens with Batman later.
1: And having just talked about uh, the passing of Brayflow not that long ago and a very iconic Mm. cover is coming up here. Yeah. Which I always think this is such a striking image of seeing Batman stand in front of the Wayne's the silhouette of the yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah and I think oh man
2: where is it it's coming not not here but yeah later on we get to the monologue he has
1: oh yeah uh, the first indication of who Batman might be
2: yeah that's <laughs> the <little laughs> score there Man, that is perfect I yeah. mean I just always appreciated how tight this story is where there's, and there's no I love the Bat family but there's no Bat family in this you have Batman and Alfred mm-hmm. you have your main villain here you've got your very small core cast of characters from the police station you know like Gordon and Bullock you have you know the councilman here. You have and then and then Joker shows up, but in the way they use the Joker, we'll get to it. Right, the way they use the Joker, I think in this movie is really perfect. They don't overuse him, and he he's an integral to the plot too.
1: Right, and at this point, you still have like Andrea's not even on the table. Like, okay, this guy's asleep. No. It's it's got to be him. Yeah, you know, the the red herring of like, okay, maybe it's her father. Or you can go. All right, maybe it was her dad first, and since he was a business partner of her father's.
2: Yeah. Well, they—they're talking about the dad too. Like,
1: yeah. Oh, you know. <laughs> oh, I love this sequence at the. Uh, it's great. World's Fair.
2: Gotham World's Fair. <laughs> and like again, they waste no time or or every every scene matters, even if you don't know it yet. Like they're telling this backstory here, but of course we, we see this same set years Mm. later at the end (laughs) of the climax of the film. And just, it's, you know, this giant allegory of like, look at all our dreams and where they've gone. And then they've all gone to crap (laughs) by the end (laughs) of the film. Yeah. You know, figuratively and literally. So literally, yeah. Yeah. It's a fantastic storytelling. And here we go. Establishing the house of the future and things like that. Yep. So good, just being able to see that
1: difference, but in yeah. and there's the automobile of the future,
2: yeah, I love this too Tur- and the, you know, look at the right turbine power, you know turbines of speed, I think that's very intentional,
1: yeah, oh yeah,
2: and this makes me think of the uh the mechanic episode of uh the animated series where we see oh, that's such a the origins episode. of the Batmobile, yeah. I love that. That's not something that many forms of Batman media pay attention to too much. It's like, well, how the Batman bill get made? Oh, you know, Wayne Tech. <laughs> so <Yeah. laughs> but uh, I, I like the I like the way that the animated series handled that. And again, this this looks really great on you know an HD on on Blu-ray. We're we're watching it digitally, but if you've got the Blu-ray, I would absolutely just recommend watching it on the Blu-ray.
1: Getting ready for this, I uh, was eager to put in the uh, HD, you know, Blu-ray, and it just uh, looks like a million bucks. I mean, it looks like how I remembered it being in the movie theater, and I just I couldn't believe sitting in the theater and seeing some of these scenes where Mm -hmm. I was used to watching the animated series, but you could just tell they just ramped it up just a little bit more and just how great Batman looked and the, the sounds of, of everything just were so crisp and clean and hearing the Batmobile yeah. zip around, it was just it kind of blew my mind that there was that much attention to detail audially and visually put into this quote-unquote cartoon that probably in the first 20 minutes you forget that you're watching something that's animated. You're just so invested into the characters and uh, just the sounds of it It just kind of still blew me away.
2: Yeah. You know, I think it's just an extension of the freedom they, the the creative folks behind this had at the time. There was no agenda other than make a good movie and they were unable to do what they wanted to do. Mm -hmm. And the results kind of speak for themselves, I think.
1: And you can kind of go back to, um, world's finest when the new adventures of Batman mm. and Superman mm-hmm. kind of cross paths for the first time. Uh, as much as I like that, this this film really set the bar for something that was going to be an if, even if this was straight to home video, th- there's a big gap between all those. Like Mystery of the Batwoman, yeah. Sub Zero. Um, and even as, any of the,
2: the the only film out of all these, you know, new DC animated films that comes close to this in terms of impact and quality for me is the dark Knight returns two-part
1: yeah i agree and i I mean it's for me it's on the same level as this yeah and i might throw in uh under the red hood into that category as well
2: yeah it's really good too
1: but yeah you're right the dark Knight returns it's it's on par with this Oh, this is another like
2: Batman mo- this is something Batman would do. Just <laughs> confront guys like this just right off the bat.
1: Still figuring out who Costume he is not. knowing that he has to he just can't mm-hmm. sit by. Yeah. And watch. And again, like this,
2: this is you see echoes of this in other forms of media like the, the like Bruce like this is what Bruce Wayne would do. Like you see it here, you see this in uh, The Dark Knight, for instance, when, when Bruce Wayne does things apart from Batman. And you see this in uh, Batman v Superman as well, like at the beginning.
1: Yeah, him running. When the buildings are coming down, he's the only one running into danger. And same here. And taken his eye off for one minute. This is a great sequence. Went to all that work to help the guy that was being robbed. And the bad guy still get away. He's not totally there yet. What a performance Kevin Conroy does in this! There, he's sketching his first idea.
2: Yeah, and the you know a lot of times I think Conroy doesn't get enough credit for what he does too. In this film, in particular, he he does this really subtle difference between young Bruce Wayne and current Bruce Wayne and Batman,
1: and this Bruce like Wayne can, that hasn't developed that skill yet of Mm -hmm. having to be the playboy Bruce Wayne. He's kind of the hybrid between you can clearly tell. Yeah. He wears his heart on his sleeve and his, and his
2: issues on his sleeve too. And the way he has to kind of, he's torn between this mission that he has to do and, you know, being in love with Andrea and and he's, (laughs) he's got to make this (laughs) choice. That's, that's the crazy thing is like most interpretations and stories and things of Batman to this point have been like, once he makes that vow, he's got to be Batman. And, and this movie has this thing where he's like, he, he has to actually, there's another point here where he has to say, am I actually going to go through with this or not? Can I? Can I be happy? Can I do this? And a lot of Batman stories kind of deal with that later on after he's been Batman. But this one is really interesting. Yeah. And yeah. this monologue here we were talking um. about before. This is uh, Conroy. Him and Conroy said a lot of times this is his favorite, or the performance of the of the character that he's done that he's most proud of. I didn't count on being happy like that yeah, is
1: that's such a powerful line that's a powerful line
2: and some yeah, and it's something that you don't see in Batman stories a lot either, and yeah, and that's why it's so powerful and again this this way the story echoes, look how many times that they've things have happened around the Wayne gravesite site. Mm-hmm. There's been three or four scenes like there already in terms of the moments they're kind of sharing together.
1: Uh, we let it go by really quick, but our first view of uh, a guy that's probably the Joker. Well, we know <laughs> we know it was the Joker. right that yeah. <clears throat> Do they refer to him as Jack Napier in the series at all? Not in not in
2: this movie but they do in the series. Okay. If you and I don't know if I don't even know if the series creators would even consider that canon. It might have been something that just kind of slipped through the cracks, but in I'm 99% sure that in the in the episode The Joker's Wild which has um the joker ruining a a casino that's been built in his image oh Uh, yeah they refer to him as jack napier because batman goes into the casino and starts looking through files and things of uh of the joker and it's and his name is like alias or real name jack napier it's Mm. like it and it's and it's not said but it's actually it doesn't isn't there also an episode with um hugo strange where he starts to say the names of the people like harvey dent and Whatever. I, I think he says
1: Jack. Jack he Napier. He off, might even say he? Jack
2: Napier. I don't know. I'm I think that through. might be another another one. Harvey Dent, Oswald Cobblepot, mm-hmm. Jack Napier. I, mean, I always loved the, the way that the show, show portrays computer stuff. They can still have this old world aesthetic, but they still find a way to make... Technology and computers and fun cars work. It kind of it makes it timeless in its own way, just like you know, uh, Batman '89 does, for instance. And I think those are the that's a really fun thing to for Batman
1: media to have is like this kind of
2: interesting, timeless-looking Gotham City.
1: Yeah. If Art Deco just stayed, but we still got computers, TVs were still yeah. black and white.
2: They're still. Papers
1: <laughs> that,
2: right. that you can have to sift, sift through. Ah, uh, here comes. Which some. is crazy because to think about because they did had to do the complete opposite when they did Batman Beyond, but they still found a way to make
1: it all like
2: make right? sense.
1: And that was a clever shot there of showing all the mob bosses, but not quite mm-hmm. showing the whole entire picture just yet. Right, literally. Yeah.
2: And this too, man, they've just, this scene, they just, they found, find all these ways to kind of, it's, this is like Batman Begins for the Batman animated series in yes. a lot of ways, because they're like, well, did you wonder how he became Batman? Did you wonder how he found the Batcave? And and then they kind of tie that into moments like
1: this. You know, instead of, it, traditionally, you know, Bruce would find the Batcave like in BVS through his parents' funeral, or um, right in Batman Begins, he finds it while playing out in the as yard a kid, with Rachel. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of like it this way, where he's f- finding it as an adult, as opposed to him knowing yeah. that it was there all
2: along. It's kind of a big change, like. But man, look at the Emmet Bats. Like, nope, this is your destiny here. Yeah, that's that's crazy. Some echoes of Batman Begins right there too through mm-hmm. that scene. And I think it all comes down to like they made these changes or decisions, but as long as it's part of the story and makes sense and is justified, then it then it can work. Yeah. <laughs>
1: And I never picked up at who that was, you know, flicking the cigarette till... Oh, yeah. Yeah, you know, <laughs> it, until it's revealed to us, the audience. Yeah. I think even as a kid, I was like, oh,
2: there's something about this guy. Yeah.
1: I don't know what it is yet. The animation's really good on Alfred's face here. He's got to deliver some unhappy news to Bruce.
2: yeah because as we know in the timeline what has already happened here I think that this gap gets filled in later but by by this time left with dad aka my dad's dead right the guy's you know i've i'm and that's the thing at this point in time her dad's been killed she's going off she's basically going off to become the phantasm probably you know and and now he goes off to become Batman is like like these two divergent paths that they're taking. This scene and they, could, they both were almost happy and and now here they are. And this scene is if you had like a top 10 like best Batman moments on film ever, this one would probably be on it.
1: Oh yeah. Hands down. And I don't know if it's him putting this on and seeing the eyes or if it's Alfred's look on his Reaction. face. Reaction. Yeah. It's the f-
2: and that's when you know, like, when even Alfred, who knows who, it is, who this is, he knows it's Bruce, he knows what's going on, when even Alfred has that reaction to Batman when he puts on the face on, he's like, okay, well now he's like, he's done something. That's going to have an
1: impact. <laughs> the future does not look so swell. Yeah. I mean, we're currently 36 minutes into this right now, and I feel like this is just galloping along. Like you said, we're not, there's no filler in this. Nope. (laughs) <laughs> I love that. I hate that song. Now, I always wondered did uh does the mob bosses know who the Joker is or was he that much of an enigma to them? As well, like, yes, he was there with them, but they don't know. Because he does say, your hands are just as dirty, dirtier at some point. Mm -hmm. Well, they know, I love the way the Joker, like,
2: gets introduced into this, and the way he just bounces around. Like, he has this almost, like the Joker should, he has this almost, like, otherworldly kind of quality to him, Mm -hmm. and he's like a cartoon character in his own reality, but he's treated as the big deal that he should be <laughs> like, and <laughs> yeah. they treat him as, and they treat the Joker in this film as, as scary as hell. Like, Oh yeah. Like I, even, the, so the even the, even the, exactly. Like he's lethal. He's dangerous. Like even the mobsters here, like this guy wouldn't be, he wouldn't be here, you know, if he didn't have to be <laughs> yeah. he's scared to death. <laughs>
0: Salvatore Lester,
2: like it's, oh yeah. <laughs> and again, I think I that's that. one reason. I think, I think they've said this is one reason why they didn't have Harley Quinn in this is because like they wanted to keep the Joker scarier. Yeah, you know, that putting bring- Harley there softens him a little, right? Sometimes, but yeah, I think the I think the mobsters know exactly who the Joker is, but they're kind of like. Freaked out by him, so they stay away,
1: <laughs> yeah,
2: and I love that shot of him too, like with the hands like that that's very much like a throwback to like some of the shots they would have the joker do in you know in the in the forties
1: yeah here, yeah, you're right, here comes the line. your hands are just as dirty, dirtier,
2: and you're the only one who can take him down. <laughs> Again, the Joker like I don't care about money. He's like that yeah. is so what in character. Yep. On oh, this line here, don't touch me, old man. I don't know where you've been.
1: <laughs> That's great. A great line. So great. This is a movie I I throw in my repertoire of quoting. Like, can I fit these in? And I've said that to people. Don't touch me. <laughs> I don't know where your hands have been. You know. <laughs>
2: And, oh, a nice big smile. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. are the the animations, the the character designs of of Batman in the animated series don't work any better anywhere else than in this movie. You know, like they're all very. It's all very effective. And I like. Killer,
1: the, I've got a killer day tomorrow. Oh, <laughs> yeah. And then the plant of the kiss that she knows that he's at Batman's in the room. So I'm going to let you listen to me, kiss somebody else.
2: Yeah. I mean, that should be, that should be an indicator too. like she, she's not scared of Batman. She knows what's going on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. And again, this is a movie where Batman does a considerable amount of detective work as
1: well. Yeah, which I think that's one of the big things. Not that he didn't do a little in the Nolan movies and did a little bit in BVS. I really want to see in a Matt Reeves movie just some some real detective work. Like I want to like in
2: this, it's not just it's not an incidental. It's not just a thing that they. It's 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 part of the backbone of the of the film. Yes, is is this whole thing here. Like why is she back? What what is happening? Who are these? Who is the phantasm? Yeah. uh, and that that line too. And then she just said the whole like, the only one who I can see who's controlled by by their parents is you. Yeah, yeah. That's a great line, but it's also what she just said is also not true because if it wasn't, she wouldn't be the phantasm. Exactly. You know I mean? yeah. It's another great juxtaposition between those two characters. Even if you, and that's the thing, like after you see the film once, there's all this depth to it that only improves subsequent viewings. Now oh, this freaked me out as a kid.
1: <laughs> <This> <laughs> yeah. scene here, I'm just like, Oh my God. Well, the first time I saw it I'm that first pan of seeing the camera spin around you go did the joker cut a hole and put it inside of him and then the, from this shot you can see he's clearly has it on his lap but i remember thinking oh my god <laughs> you know yeah this is another great sequence coming up here oh i love the uh, sequence the and rooftop I think chase I,
2: yeah and it's it's gone by too fast. I was trying to pay attention to the to the uh captions here, but I'm pretty sure if you're paying attention, the Joker refers to the phantasm as a woman. I think he calls her Toots, toots or a, yeah. Her, her. Yeah. Well So if you're paying attention, he knows exactly who she is and that yeah. she you know, she's a girl.
1: Preset code five, is that what that said?
2: Preset code five. I guess code five is autopilot. Follow me. <laughs> and this is great too. this like low hanging in the city bat wing uh, again, like something we see in dark Knight rises. It's just not, it's not just a fly above, you know, in the sky thing. It's like, it's, it's built to go in between the city streets too.
1: Yeah. I love that. And rises that reminded me of this, um, exactly. Exactly. You know, it can urban be like a an urban assault vehicle without having to be right. you know 400 miles in the air. Exactly. I mean that makes
2: that makes it make sense why Batman would a Gotham City based hero would would need something like that. It's not just for you know flying to Egypt or whatever <laughs> or Africa right. or whatever when the when when the need arises. And it just looks cool with uh, with things like police blimps and stuff. And uh, yeah, and this is like this is something you don't see a whole lot of in the animated series too. Is Batman actually running in with the cops? I love that shot too. Like Batman standing there and all the guns coming into frame. Mm -hmm. I mean, you see a little bit like in uh, on Leather Wings, the first episode of the the series. Yeah, you were, but you don't see a whole. You don't see a ton of it. You see some. Not nothing as
1: explicit as this where they're actually like on a manhunt for him. Yeah. And you were talking about um Robin's reckoning this warehouse that is that mm. reminds me of the mm-hmm. building that's being built in there.
0: But yeah. again,
1: this is another this has gotta be another nod to uh year one where the cops are all coming in, he's having to hide. I was gonna say
2: uh, it reminded me of The uh, Dark Knight Returns, where he's in the warehouse.
1: Oh yeah, and something you don't see too often. I think yeah, we see a a bleeding and uh, bruised uh, back, right. Blood in. Yeah, this. I think they 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 didn't think that they were going to be allowed to
2: like show blood and do things like this, where you see the blood on his hands um but yeah they do it they 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 were allowed cuz it's a movie i guess to show blood and have him take the cowl off and have the blood on his face i mean it do, it does have an impact and it's one of those things where it has an impact that's that's part of the story and it's good it's not gratuitous you know apart from you know on the other hand we have a lot of the the now r rated dc universe movies that i just mm-hmm. think are you know violent for violence sake and but uh i don't i don't think those are as effective as something like this
1: no it's like you said it's doing it for the sake of like oh let's show somebody getting blown up as opposed to it's written in the story it makes sense there's a reason why yeah. our character is bleeding it's not let's have them throw two or three punches and then everybody's a bloody mess and hey we got right, yeah. out of it. yeah yeah And this scene, I always thought was interesting with her picking him up after the two of them. Again, spoilers if you don't know. You know, they were just fighting on the roof, but she's coming to his rescue. Almost, and she knows he's there because they like just fought each other. Yeah. (laughs) But I mean that with their fight, she's going to go and turn around and save him, as opposed to letting him be captured by the police.
2: Well, that's just the whole. That's like the Catwoman thing, right? Like she still has feelings for him, but she doesn't. But they're at conflict with what she feels her mission is. Yeah, you have an excellent
1: sense of timing. <laughs> yeah,
2: <laughs> uh, it was on TV,
1: <laughs> and I was just looking. I thought maybe this was PG thirteen, but it it's PG. Yeah, exactly. Like
2: they're going to push P- PG to its limits here. Yeah.
1: another good sequence getting handsy with his daughter Mm -hmm. begging for their life and knowing there's no way there's no way out of it for the two of them that one guy I always think looks like Rupert Thorne
2: I do too, until you realize that he's a new a new character for this. and again it's, it's really interesting to be able to because you see the past and present versions of all these gangsters too, and mm-hmm. see what time has done to them.
1: And how much that they were forced out by the likes of a Joker, a Penguin, a Riddler, a Two-Face. Mm-hmm. When they were very much in control of the city and that the or quote unquote, mobsters are just figureheads that they're not even in the real play anymore.
2: Right. I wonder if somebody's done a chronological fan cut of this film.
1: Oh, that would be cool to see. Yeah. Actually...
2: I think that I, I heard an interview or something where the, uh, the studio wanted some, some, like, there was, like, one studio head that, like, fought back, had some pushback on the story structure with the flashbacks, and they, and they wanted to see the movie. Well, what, let's just try cutting it in chronological order so it all makes sense. That and, sounds uh, very I,
1: familiar. Like, I think I heard the same thing.
2: Yeah. And then they screened it and they, and they were like, that's terrible. And so they screened it in, in chronological order and then they were like, okay, yeah, it's not as good. <laughs> and it's not, it's, it no. wouldn't be, but uh, it would still be fascinating to see it put together that way as kind of a bonus thing.
1: You know she almost you know, Batman through. grabs her by the arm a lot in this film. Yeah. If you've noticed. That's right. Pulling her to him, twisting her
2: around. Don't drink that glass of water, like. Yeah. And again like, yeah, there we go. I love the two like Alfred moments where he's
1: like, "Oh." Yeah. <laughs> he has to walk out of the room. Oh, catch me unaware there. Sorry. Yeah. Terrence O'Neill voice right there. <laughs> <laughs>
2: And here again, it's PG, but you know what they just did. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Long night of checkers. Yeah. Chinese checkers.
2: Yeah. Like, she knows what she's about to do. Yeah. daddy. Yeah, yeah daddy doesn't matter anymore because he's
1: dead. And sh- this is the moment where she almost pulls the wool over his eyes. Yeah. But he's not, he's not totally sold on it. And again, it's another great delivery from Conroy on this. You can tell he's conflicted on the feelings that he once had for and. Mm -hmm. And again, I mean, this is another kind of
2: storyline and some plot points that we see in, in Batman forever, even course and not done nearly as well as this, but it's <laughs> right. it's a it's yeah. the whole like I'm in love with this person, how can I still be Batman? Should yeah. I still be Batman? But it's just kind of incredible that you know, we've we've mentioned all these other movies that this kind of either influenced or is influenced by and how much it's able to do in like an hour and twenty minutes. And this scene always freaked it like blew my mind as a kid or he finishes the mouth and then you just hear the, the laughter. Laugh. I'm like, oh my gosh, it's
1: the Joker. Oh my gosh. <laughs> this I remember laughing uh, of the four of us that were in the theater at this when he's in the hospital. He's just going into full-blown hysterics.
2: Joker gas mode, yeah. yeah.
1: Which that's one of the first times you really see, where well, we're not there yet, but the full effect of what the gas can do usually in the animated series you may see the gas Mm -hmm. but then you just get the creepy grins yeah and we've
2: seen that already in this film too with uh with sal yeah the bomb and all that and i love this look of the joker too with um with the coat Mm -hmm. the gray coat it's very again very rogers englehart-esque
1: and, and they um, made this into this version of the Joker into an action figure.
2: Mm hmm. I was about, I was going to say the exact same thing. Yeah. The, this movie had its own small action figure line that, tie, you know, kind of was a sub tie in to the, the main one. And they all had, and I thought it was really great. You know, they had a couple versions of Batman, of course, but, uh, you had this version of the Joker and you had, uh, the phantasm, which if you hadn't seen the movie, totally spoiled it because they had <laughs> right. the the mask off of her, and it showed like he could quick change it and stuff. So, uh, which is cool, but man, it totally spoiled the movie.
1: I've always wished that figure that they always did that with the female figures. They put him in this weird crouch position. I always wished that figure was standing yeah. straight, a little bit taller. Um, yeah. But another great figure in that line was the first appearance, Batman, which I wish you could have seen was what it his a- costume looks like in the movie. But I remember getting that figure going, oh, wow. So that's what it looked like when he put the cowl on for the first time. Was it like a year one type yeah, of Yeah, it's so very much year one. There's no spikes mm. on the gloves. Uh, it's a big fat like... And they did that for the action figure line? Yes. Oh, man. I'm going to have to get that. I will have to uh, take a picture of it and... Uh, Uh, send it to you. And uh, you know what? It might even be a thumbnail uh, inserted into the uh, (laughs) artwork for this. Because it's it's a great figure. I think it's called Retro Batman, if I remember right. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's starting to sound familiar. Because it comes with, like, a his hand will spin around with, like, an action feature. And he comes with, like, a really long, like, almost like BVS Robin-type staff. Yeah. That's cool. That that was a, a shot right there of him getting gassed. If you watch the silhouette of him plunging something into his chest. Right. <laughs> like, violently.
2: Yeah. And here's what you're talking yeah. about. Where he's just I going just, berserk.
1: Somebody else's laugh is really infectious. And he can't get himself under control until Batman comes in where he can kind of get scared back out of it but it's still not quite enough. Right. Yeah, that's the spot that I'm going to probably start laughing here when it happens, but in the theater, I remember my girlfriend going, "Shut up." I'm like, there's only four of us. <laughs> but when Batman comes in and he just goes, "Oh no." <laughs> like the sight of like he just got himself calmed down and the little giggling has started. Like he knows that laugh is going to start again. Just, it cracks me up every time I see it.
0: <laughs> oh no.
2: <laughs> I don't know what it is, but it's so great. Like, and he, and Batman knowing like what he did and interrogating him. Hmm. It's great, and this was a hallmark too of the animated series Batman, something I've noticed watching a lot of the episodes over again is uh, this Batman is not like bat God like he doesn't know everything he right. doesn't he's not a thousand percent prepared for every single thing that happens to him, but it's not to say that he's not Batman right like he right. He's a very balanced character, and that and that kind of lends itself here because he has to do detective work and interrogations and figure out what in the heck's going on and um, scare the crap out of people to make change. And I think that's, uh, I mean, it's able to highlight a lot of qualities of Batman beyond just him being, like, a badass that knows how to do everything. Yeah, I like, you know, and, I think, you know, and I, now that I say that, that's probably a reason why I like the uh, Dark Knight Trilogy Batman a lot, too. Mm-hmm.
1: You know, the the Bat guy, there's, there's no surprise for Batman, but what I like to touch on what you said about the animated series, that he doesn't know everything, but he can process the information mm-hmm. quick enough to get himself to the next step without having yeah. uh, somebody like a, a green arrow, for lack of a better hero to pick on, of like, okay, let me take this information and go back to the arrow cave yeah. or whatever it is and talk about it and decipher it, that in that moment, Batman will take the information that he has that can make the next logical step. And yes, not, like he's still the best at this. Yeah. yeah, he's still the best at it, but it's
2: not all this deus ex machina, like Batman just knows how to do everything type stuff. Like he still has to and go through things. It's
1: those nice. of you uh, fans of the show that recently I started adding this back in for our letter section, I love this whole thing <laughs> of like, oh, I want to try to find some Batman voicemail email thing. So I love this <laughs> right spot so much that i decided to put it back into our letter section oh
2: here here's the here's what i was yes. talking about when he when he says toots because this call is meant for for her phantasm yes yes god this oh. laugh that's one of the best like joker laughs ever
1: yeah
0: i, I i've said before. <laughs> <laughs> that this is one of
1: the like this is the best Joker laugh that I think Camel has delivered. There's been a lot of great ones yeah. through the video games, but I think this is the quintessential performance of the Joker for
2: him. Yeah, Yeah, and another really good one is uh, Return of the Joker, Batman Beyond Return of the Joker. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I was going to make some comparisons, too. Like That also had, had its own companion toy line as well. It's not as good as Mask of the Phantasm's no, toy but- line was, though, i got to say.
1: And to oh, know that this that was a- the Joker, and the Joker killed her yeah, father, which he is just bringing all three of these characters to a head an here. apple. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the whole baloney thing. I know. Oh, we didn't talk about it, but the scene that I always thought was funny, weird, peculiar when he's with the robot the first time pinches her cheek and part of the cheek comes off comes off and he 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 saves it for later save that for later he puts it in his pocket (laughs) it's it's it's
2: just creepy and weird it's such a so great and this like she's not scared of batman when she's phantasm and just the thing like joker knows what's up Mm -hmm. he knows who she is he's like whatever i know who you are i know cut the cut the charade You know, and as a kid, I was like, "Oh my God, what?" You know. Yeah. And they very smartly made Stacy Keach the uh, the voice of the Phantasm in mm-hmm. costume, which, of course, he's the voice of, uh, you know, Andrea's father. So it's very I, clever.
1: Yeah, and I also thought it was really good that they didn't try and pitch her voice to sound weird. That they, like you said, lined yeah. up with her father. It was definitely a male voice to throw off the. Uh, Suspicion. Yeah. So you weren't spending the whole movie going. On. That yeah. sounds funny. Like- well,
2: that plus the way that they had the phantasm up in Gotham, and then the next shot is like her flying to Gotham. That that's a, that's a big, uh, you know, leap of like. Oh, your mind just like places her there after you've right. already seen phantasm in town. So it's easy to kind of rule her out if you're not paying attention. Here
1: comes the baloney. Which is, I just
2: love how a Joker's trying to fight with bologna and, you know, uh, a mixer.
1: Which I oh, showed knife. this to a buddy of mine, and he started laughing at that scene. He goes, isn't that a little phallic that the Joker's slapping her with salami in the face? And I'm like, oh, man, come on. <laughs> I love that line. Well, if it isn't Smokey the Babe <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> like the Joker has a lot of great one liners in this. Yeah. Again, it's like
2: he's used so well and every line and everything that he has is just so pitch perfect. That does not wasted at all. And just the animation, as he turn, like as he turns up the power on the fan, his face just like gets more and more evil grin.
1: This was something that I, when it was out on video, I was really hoping that there was a a really good behind the scenes because this would have been back in the time of, you know, when behind the scenes parts would be in movies that I really wanted to see, like a recording session of what Mark Hamill would have been like for, oh my god, for doing god, this I movie, I did Kevin Conroy for that matter, the whole cast, but, mm-hmm.
2: yeah, and this is when back when they had. And they recorded a lot of the same the actors together in the same like booth, same recording session instead of separately too. Oh, and this is so cool! Batman just jumping the bat the bat mm-hmm. cycle up there to t- <laughs> to catch her. That's so good. <laughs> I just you know just imagine if this was live action. Oh man, I think it would work so well. I mean, I'm glad it's animation, but just this story and this kind of storytelling mm-hmm. would be really interesting to see.
1: Yeah, I think this it's, could definitely be set up to make the leap from animation to live action and really not have to change a whole heck of a lot. Right. And here's the the difference where Batman has to reiterate what will vengeance solve.
2: It's like oh yeah. yeah yeah, but again, it's like these two characters. Similar things happen to, and she—that's what she says. Look what they did to us. Almost like and I became yeah. this, and you became that because of what happened.
1: We could have had this perfect life together, but because of mm-hmm. two horrible circumstances.
2: Again, I see echoes of Batman Returns in that too. It's like let's not be these people. It would you know, but of course. And that is Batman saying Well it's the same thing. It's like Batman saying, like, Don't do this and then she just has to be like, Nope, I've made my decision here
1: <laughs> Little WB placement logo. I know I was like that. <laughs> this I always thought was funny, the Joker inside a building and it just kinda of bebopping around. But this is a Clash of the Titans, uh Godzilla versus King Kong with the buildings and their destroying cities <laughs> i think it's kind of like the juxtaposition is really clever in this between the two
2: Oh, again blood yeah. i mean kicking joker in the face blood coming out and his tooth coming out and now and him being toothless for the rest of the film i mean it's mm-hmm. pretty awesome And the, and with the impact, there's such an impact to it because of the up in animation quality. Like you feel the, you feel that. And again, these razor blade drone helicopters just chopping Batman to shreds. Which and I love this too. Just Joker escaping on a train, dancing around. Mm-hmm. He knows exactly what he's doing. But he's thought like ten steps ahead. Like he's got this whole thing
1: planned out. <laughs> and I want to say these are the same. Planes that are used uh, from the uh, Christmas oh. episode, where you'd have to look it up. They're in a the toy warehouse, and where Robin goes, they don't call you Batman for nothing. It's similar. It's yeah.
2: similar, but and again, Batman punching it so hard that is like it's ripped as like knuckles to shreds and is bleeding. Like mm-hmm. it's pretty insane.
1: That was always a cool thing I liked, is hearing the cackling Joker laugh in pitch. Right, the audio design of this. Yeah, yeah. Can't tell where it's coming from. You don't know where he is. Mm-hmm. And this was a a toy coming up here with the uh, Joker. with the Right, Joker. I had this one. Yeah. I had the Jetpack Joker. And that figure actually got reused... Um, twice outside of the hmm. um, mask of the phantasm line mm-hmm. <laughs> that's not surprising boom and
2: then again this like batman freaking the joker out when when he's when the joker's like if you don't let me go we'll both die that's and showing the joker scared like that's you don't see that too often no right
1: And for the Joker to say, what are you doing? You're crazy. That's almost like, I wouldn't do this. Why are you doing this? Yeah.
2: I mean, it's kind of crazy, especially if you view this movie in a vacuum, it's like, in terms of Joker, it's like, nope, whatever, whatever happens, it it ends, it ends tonight. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And to see him get taken away by her is like, it's pretty crazy.
1: The second character to say, uh, Goodbye my love. Beatelia. Oh. Or I guess she would say my beloved. Uh, I remember this in the theater was so loud, all the explo- It's I'm sure is very powerful. Oh my gosh. And again, there were only four of us in the theater, so there was no there were no other bodies to absorb all the sound, but yeah, when everything was on fire and just rumbling, I could literally feel my seat rumbling. I don't know if they were just like... They just cranked it up because there were four of us in there, but...
2: Yeah, this is probably one of the best Joker laughs Joker moments like in in the animated series history right here where he just laughs as he's been taken away. It's great. Mm
1: -hmm. That that is the funniest thing for him, that all of this chaos is going around and it's not Batman that's going to take him out. It's going to be this chick you know didn't see it coming and that's what was so incredibly funny to him now the color palette in this is just beautiful all the oranges and reds and browns and there's Batman in his dark blue it A great moment from Alfred in this his speech.
2: I don't think she wanted to be saved. I mean, yeah, there's yeah. there's a piece of perfect Alfred advice, and it's Which, like, and when it, 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 it sums up like the whole movie, like this mm-hmm. whole little simps piece here.
1: And the parallel—it's
2: one of the, the best Alfred and Bruce like little moments. Like, oh you know,
1: yeah. And what he's saying is that everything that Bruce is doing, Bruce is actually wanting to be saved. Yeah, he's wanting to save Gotham, but he's wanting to save mm-hmm. that. And that's, that the, and that's so
2: powerful because yeah. that is the line that Batman draws. Like he has a mission and that is the mission. And if and if he went over it, then would there be a mission? Would mm-hmm. there be it should or should or would there be a Batman? Yeah, it's like the whole point of the movie.
1: Oh, the scenes are really good. I like a great line from her coming up. I am. and very much like the opening sequence the end sequence Mm -hmm. is just beautiful it's one of the best The, the animation
2: the score is incredible here and the sound design like when he fires that grappling hook out and you just hear it in the bat signal it's just so quintessential Batman and it's completely earned yeah it's just fantastic
1: I love it. It sounds so good in the restoration just here. Like you said, the grappling hook. Mm-hmm. Go out and catch on something.
2: Yeah. Boom. And that's it. Wow. man, What a great movie.
1: So this was something I was telling uh, Terrence and Ryan. I wanted to do something nice and easy. Just sit back on some of the fun things to do at Christmas time. You get a whole bunch of movies or whatever. Or you just kind of start looking at the stuff you've got. And I thought, maybe I ought to do that. Uh, on this show since it did come out on christmas day in 1993 um now what i did want to ask as we're wrapping this up did you while the credits are going here uh did you get to go to the fathom event to see us on the big screen
2: nope unfortunately not i i had tickets for it And then, and it was, um, sometimes when they do these things, they do it for like one or two days. Like when they did this, they, this year they also did the Superman 40th anniversary Mm -hmm. screening. They did it that like on like two or three, I think, different days. But Mask of the Phantasm was one day only. I had my tickets for like seven o'clock and then we ended up having a torrential downpour thunderstorm thing here. And, uh, I, uh, was headed towards the theater driving in this awful storm and uh and the traffic was so backed up that uh what should have been a 15-ish minute drive was going to take like 45 minutes and i was gonna, i was going to miss the movie regardless so i had to turn around and go back home oh, was, wow i felt so
1: gutted it was like <laughs> i was so excited to see it in the theater and it just didn't work out so guys i thought i remember either you said on twitter or you had pictures of your tickets am i remembering that right I, tweet, I'm pretty sure I t- at least tweeted that I bought
2: the tickets yeah. and I was going to go.
1: And I, I wish they would. I, I think I can understand why they don't do them on a, a Friday night or a Saturday. But this was on a Monday. Yeah, Monday right? is mon-
2: Monday is like the least busy day of the week for yeah. any theater. So and that uh, way they're not going to lose
1: the revenue on a Saturday when mm-hmm. you know, and they'll have a free screen. Yeah, you know. I think the last one we went to was the Killing Joke. I really wanted to go, but again, it was it was mm-hmm. a busy Monday for us. And um, yep, until I said, I "Well, the- I got to see it back in '93." And my wife is like, "Well, <laughs> you did get a seat originally the theater, but you know, I but it was just it wasn't mm-hmm. going to work." And um, you didn't get to see it. I didn't get see it either. I didn't, either. I didn't ah, get my a, tickets because I thought the, the theater was also the closest one we have to us that was doing it was like 45 minutes away. So we're going to be pushing an hour after getting off of work. It had yeah. to be, you know, really quick. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm going to have to,
2: I know, you know, I just, uh, had the super Mario brothers screening here in, in Raleigh, uh, on Friday, December 7th here, 2018. And, uh, got to know some of the folks from Alamo draft house here. I'm going to have to talk to them. <laughs> maybe, yeah. maybe next year I can, we can get some kind of a, Ba- what i really would love them to do is some sort of like a batman fest because it's 2019 is batman's 80th anniversary 80th, oh so come man, on man if, yeah yeah so if they were able to do some kind of crazy all-day batman thing where we could have mask of the phantasm batman 89 and 60s movie like there's all kinds of stuff that they could do and oh yeah and, and people would totally show up for it so maybe I, maybe we, <laughs> maybe i could convince them by <laughs> the, to uh,
1: show all the movies in the theater. really uh really quickly before we let you go here uh, how did the event go for uh super mario brothers 20, 25 years twenty fifth yeah Jeez. just like the, just
2: like mask of the phantasm both of those are twenty five this year uh yeah it went great it was a fun time uh, a lot of whole uh, you know pace was pretty packed and uh uh got to see the our you know uh, restored print of the film up on the big screen. Sound was great. Everybody loved it. It was clapping and laughing at the right times and everything like that. And, uh, and we had six people that worked on the film show up and we did a, uh, we did a panel, a Q and a panel after the movie. And, uh, it was a good time. So, and we recorded it all. So, uh, you know, the panel and stuff like that. So it should be, uh, up online eventually.
1: Oh, cool. Um, uh, i was you kind of following your tweets and it was kind of cool to see uh the hashtag yeah, yeah uh, and we had props and stuff yeah mm-hmm. so glad that went well for you well that's gonna do it for this episode and it's gonna do it for the rest of the year for 2018 we crammed a lot in this year uh, like i said the previous episode you got to hear the radio drama in its entirety um i do definitely want to Try and launch a Patreon for for next year and get things going with the website. Uh, well, the, for the podcast, um, I've said previously that I'll be launching a new podcast. Another everyone loves, everyone loves Young Justice uh, with Jay Yaws. So uh, there'll be a second podcast from me. I know Ryan is working on a podcast um, for Azrael. How is how's that going? Uh, it's it's going it's.
2: Definitely gonna happen. <laughs> I just needed to clear my schedule, get some of these uh other responsibilities yeah. kind of off my plate so yep. I can focus more time on it.
1: And then uh Terrence and I are still doing Batman and Robin and Eternal, which is nice that we've got that to kind of supplement some other maybe Batman stuff that maybe doesn't fit into this show, but it's been great. Like I said, this was our mm-hmm. uh, five year anniversary, so I wanted to round out Christmas, so hopefully everybody's Christmas Went well since this is the 26th. Technically, it's the 9th for us, but you know what I mean. So from everyone here at the Drake House, we hope you have had a wonderful Merry Christmas, and we'll see you in a few weeks for 2019 and the start, if you can believe it, for Batman's 80th anniversary. And uh can't yeah. imagine all the stuff that's going to be coming out uh, for that. I think we're just hearing just the very early tip of the iceberg, so... With what they did for Superman, I have a feeling it's probably going to be even more so for Batman. So we will see you guys on the next episode. Take care. And you know what? Oh, go ahead.
2: I hate to ruin your outro here, but it's Batman's 80th anniversary, but it's also going to be Tim Drake's 30th anniversary.
1: 30th anniversary, yeah. We may have to do a little something here, and it'll be really cool that... uh, to see how Tim is treated uh, next year. Brian Michael Bendis will be writing Tim Drake. So I know we'll be talking about it on it on that show, but I know we're definitely going to be talking about it on this show. And maybe we'll we'll find, um, we've got that detention comics issue hmm. to do that Norm Bray Fogel had done with, and like we said, probably the only Denny O'Neill solo Tim Drake story written. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this is where we'll end it, folks. We'll see you next year in a few weeks take care bye bye thanks for listening to Robin everyone loves the Drake podcast this has been brought to you by the Batman batmanuniverse.net Tim Drake, Robin, and all Batman-related characters are under copyright of DC Comics. This podcast is solely for entertainment purposes, so no infringement is intended by this show. The show is not a good revenue stream. Actually, there's not a stream at all. All music and sound clips are under copyright by their respected copyright holders. So there should be no need to send the Penguin's lawyers after us for ill-gotten gains, because there are none. You can get a hold of the show a few different ways. We are on Twitter at ELTD Podcast. You can also email in at Robin ELTD Podcast at Yahoo.com. Our Facebook page can be found at www.facebook.com slash everyone loves Drake. And as always, you can message directly over at the BatmanUniverse.net. So email, tweet, or message us. We'd love to hear from you. And we'll read your comments or responses on the show. The show you're listening to can be found a few different ways through iTunes and Windows Media. Also, over at our host, TBU. Leave us a review on iTunes if you listen there, it'll help spread the word of the show. Make sure you head over to the BatmanUniverse.net, your home for all things Batman and Robin. Thanks for listening to the show and hearing why everyone loves the Drake. We'll see you in a few weeks. Take care.
0: Change my situation any